0: Welcome, welcome to a coach's perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and this show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience, with nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs, and mobile and online banking services. You're always in touch with your money. Learn more at GreatSouthernBank.com. At member FDIC. Other sponsors that we're going to talk about throughout the show include Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar, Story Construction. West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Card. So we're going to talk about them throughout the show. Before we get to our studio guests, I want to recap our last show. Um, Our last show we did, it was, we were very creative, our last show. We were talking about coaching, and we were talking about leadership. And we had Chief Paul Williams on. And we talked about he was the coach of Springfield Police Department and how there's so many parallels of a Division I head coach. Um, We talked about recruiting and strategy and scouting and retention and um, team chemistry, we talked about so many different things and really related what he does to what a coach does. So you can go to a com. You can listen to it under previous shows. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Verbal, Helium Satellite Radio, and catch Chief Williams, or shall I say Coach Chief Williams, um, on that episode. So I am super pumped about this episode. I think we're going to have um, a great time. We're going to talk a little racing. We've had Terry Phillips on the show. We've talked racing before. I've always been impressed with that Hall of Fame performer, but I I am even more impressed with the um, with the 15 year old racing phenom that we have here in the studio. So I want to welcome I want to welcome race car driver uh, Corbin Collins to the show.
1: I am very happy to be here. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. And we and you, you did bring. You brought your security detail.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right?
0: You did bring your security detail. Corey and Becky Collins are also here, his parents. So welcome to the show, both Thanks of you. Thanks for having us, Jenny. It's, I, I appreciate it. We're, I'm going to learn a lot tonight. Uh, I'm going to take some notes. I know Logan is going to take some notes. And we're, we're going to learn a lot about racing. So you have, make sure I get this correct. You know, I want to make sure my, my racing lingo and language <laughs> is, uh, is correct. But you are spec- MS5 Mazda Racer. Yeah. National class, correct?
1: Spec MX-5, yeah.
0: Yeah, there we go. Um, and tell us a little bit, I mean, you started at nine years old. I mean, my heart jumps just even thinking about putting a nine-year-old in a race. But you started with go-karts, um, and you you know officially started racing in St. Louis with some go-karts. Tell me a little bit about what, what, what took you to that where you are like, I don't want to just go to Branson and ride go-karts like a lot of nine-year-olds. I want to get on a track and race?
1: I've always been really interested in motorsports. I've always been a pretty big spectator. You know, I grew up watching NASCAR, a little bit of Formula One, nothing serious. And it's a really funny story. We were driving on the road and we saw a go-kart in a Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot. (laughs) I looked at it, I saw the guy driving it, and I said, I want to do that. So after a lot of research, um, we found go-karting and competitive go-kart racing, and St. Louis was the outlet for that. So we really transitioned into that when I was nine, and it was just a blast from there. We, after the first weekend, we were absolutely hooked.
0: Oh, my goodness. And one of your first official races was at Daytona, correct? Yes. And you were 10 years old. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then at 11, you wanted to move to cars. Um, and what, what made you want to, to graduate from the go-karts and, and, and get to the cars?
1: Ever since my first go-karting race, I wanted to move up to cars. I was, always, I was very young, and I knew it couldn't happen at that age. But I had the goal of cars in mind, and that's just what interested me, and that's what I grew up watching.
0: Well, I'm going to bring your parents in on this conversation as well. You know, my daughter came home one day and said for high school graduation she wanted to go skydiving, and my heart, you know, like dropped. I'm like, no way. And, you know, she ended up going skydiving, and it was fantastic and a great experience for her. But when he came in and said, I want to race. I, I don't want to just ride a go-kart or drive it around the yard. I want to actually race. What were some of your first thoughts? I'll start with you, Becky.
2: Well, I would have to tell you, um, I feel like that. I feel like Corbin went to Corey first because they had already like made their case, did the research, figured out where we could race. Like, li- like literally, they they gave it to me in a whole package that was wrapped in a bow of here's how safe it is, here's <laughs> what kind of suit he will wear. This it's that safe. Here's what kind of helmet he will wear. It's You know, like they were all ready when they presented it to me, and so. It was it was a lot it was a lot for me to to process at first and and I I'll be honest with you I I I've, I've told the boys and I've told anybody that I've ever told this story to I thought I was going to vomit when they first <laughs> told me I, really, I was like I can't I can't do this I can't watch this but then you get into it and you watch him go practice and you do see the safety features that that's put into it and um and they did put a lot of research and time into it and Corbin it was Corbin's case and and he really was passionate about it, and and said, "Let's try." And I said, "Okay, well, we'll go to we'll load up and go to St. Louis and see what see what this is all about." <laughs> yeah. So,
3: uh, Corbin's story is right. That's kind of how his carding endeavor started with seeing that stuff. And but there was also a big gap that was months, if not a short year, before we actually committed to doing this. And so. He had a four-wheeler and he had dirt bikes and he had these things as a young kid, I guess younger than nine. And when we, he was due for a new four-wheeler. And so I'm like, I'm gonna go buy you a new four-wheeler. Are you ready? It's an exciting day, right? This should be good stuff. And his response was, I don't want a four-wheeler. I want a cart. I've been telling you this. And I'm like, I know, but I don't really know how we're gonna make that work. And so ultimately, you know, it seemed like not a big deal. Just have to run to St. Louis. 15 times a year or
2: something and
3: (laughs) buy a cart, which seems pretty cheap, and tires are a couple hundred bucks, and we'll just do those, you know, whatever. So it didn't seem like I was agreeing to as much as I ultimately agreed to, but um, I was excited to let him do what he wanted to do. And once we got, you know, in the cart and let him experience that, it was clear that it was a happy place for him and that he wanted to put the time and energy and work into this to – go to places and see where it ends up, and I've always been more than happy to support him. As long as he's putting in 110%, I'll put in at least 100 with him.
0: Well, and it, we've talked often on the show about um, youth sports parents and, you know, the right way, the wrong way, the, you know, the supportive way, and it sounds like you all just kind of said you were hesitant, obviously, your first natural reaction, <laughs> but, but then – it, it's like you just you released him. This is what he wants to do, and you're going to release him to this sport, and you're going to support him and guide him through that. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that has been uh, one of the one of the best parts about this is having parents that are supportive and that have guided you through this.
1: Yeah, it's 100% helped me pursue what I want to do and what I enjoy doing, and what I love. And they're not only supportive. I mean, they're here for me through everything. They're here for the lows. They're here for the highs, and. And after the best performance of my life, and after the worst, I'm going to get out of the car and I'm going to see them, and it's really great.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and guess what? We're recording this, so you get to play that on loop. <laughs> <laughs> you can play that on loop. So uh, this, you go to the school of racing at 12 years old, right? 12 years old, um, and then you went with open wheel cars for a while, and you ended up thinking that's really not for me. But tell me a little bit about that that school of racing when you're 12 years old. Um, you raced at Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, which was, you know, it was where you got certified, right, through the SCCA. Gotcha. And I know, I'm working on my racing lingo. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Um, but but then they were like, hold on, you, you can't actually officially race until you're 14. <laughs> yep. So there's your first speed bump, yeah. pun intended. So how did how did you handle that, and, and how did you move into the NASA?
1: So NASA was really, really helpful with their Teen Mazda Challenge, which let me race at 13 And that was amazing. So I jumped in their HPDE program, which is really just practice. And it let me get in the car really early before I could race at 14 with SCCA. We spent that whole year when I was 13. It's just a really great learning year. And I developed all my core skills I needed to race now at 15.
0: Right. And and everybody listening, like, he's not racing in an age division. I mean, He is racing against eighteen and nineteen year olds that by the way, have actual driver license. You don't even have a driver's license yet. Um, and so you're you're going on a track and, and going 120 miles per hour next to people that have been you know driving for a long time. Um, so that's got to be you know that's got to make you feel extremely accomplished um, and, I, and I love the fact that um, you started doing endurance races as well. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But it, in 2022, I'm going to brag on you for a minute, all right? Um, you were the, NA, the NASA Rookie of the Year in the Mazda MX-5. You were also um, first in the tar- TREC, NASA. What does TREC stand for?
1: Team Racing Endurance Challenge.
0: There you go. Very good. And then you got third in the ST5 in 2022. And what's ST5?
1: So that's a division of cars that do sprint racing. So it's still with NASA, and those are like 20. 20- 25 minute races,
0: and did it take you a while? I'm going to ask your, you know, your parents. Did it take you a while to figure out, you know, the the culture of of racing and getting him ingrained into that, to knowing where to send him to racing school. You know, how to get him some training, where to. You know, the divisions, did that take a while to navigate, Corey?
3: Yeah, it so we have Becky nor I have any history in racing uh or car racing of any kind. And so it is a learning curve. It takes a lot of time, energy, effort to get up to speed and know what in the world you're up against. The Lucas School of Racing came up because my young fine son here was insistent that he was going to move into cars and it's the truth is I really was more determined to prove to him that he couldn't get into a car at 12. <laughs> and so we're we're researching what are these schools and what can you get in and what are the options. And as we're reading it, there's this very fine bottom line print that said that you could get in as young. I think it actually said as young as 13 with the right credentials. And so we sent this application in and they are like, yeah, you're approved. You can come. And we're like – so I called the director of the race school, and I'm like, look, I don't know if you understand this. The kid's never been in a car, like never been in a car at all. And he's like, yeah, he'll be fine. We deal with this regularly. He'll be good. He's going to be quick. I've read his resume and stuff. But if he got in a manual and could drive a manual, it would help, which is a whole other story for a different day. But he spent some time in a manual at 12 on, you know, very – Back roads, probably. (laughs) However you, (laughs) anyway. um, And so from there, we get, you know, get as you said, he gets handed the certificate that says you've got a provisional SCCA race race license. SCCA in a most courteous manner, they could said I could care less what they gave you or when they gave it to you. Until he's fourteen, he's doing nothing. The Spec MX-5 Challenge Series that he was kind of wanting to go to was only mostly running SCCA, so that's where he went to NASA. And we learned, we learned through NASA that it's possible to get in there at 13. Yeah. We went through a whole process, including interviews with the, the then CEO and owner of NASA that was in California. Yeah. He gets approved uh, to start running it. And that's where the Trek racing comes in. And we learned, we learned the rules of NASA. We learned that in Trek racing, Becky and I were literally crew members in fire suits and <laughs> yeah. fire wear, yeah. bottles. Because we truly did pit stops in these endurance
2: races. Mm-hmm,
3: right. And fuel the car. and Change
2: drivers. and, yeah, and you know, change
3: the drivers and do that kind of stuff.
2: That is awesome. There's
3: a lot. It's a steep learning curve, but we're we're going through it. We're still learning.
2: That's right. And and
0: you know, being able to you know to be able to have that experience and to be able to make sure you know having those years, okay, that's probably going to be very valuable in the long run to be able to start out with that kind of foundation. I think that's going to be really nice. All right. Well, we're going to continue talking racing. We're going to take our first break. Um, I'm so excited to have Corbin Collins, and I have Corey and Becky Collins. His parents are along as well. Um, we want to thank Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor, and we're going to be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. Coach's perspective. This segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy is owned by dairy farmers and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies, professional dietitians. Everybody agrees the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate. And they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. I have Corbin Collins in here and Corey and Becky Collins. And Corbin, uh, uh, right off the bat, I need to know that after a race, do You grab some Highland Dairy chocolate milk.
1: Of thing. course, I never haven't. I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, that's what I go to. It's
0: good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> all right, so we're talking racing. All right, racing. You are 15 years old. You don't even have a driver's license, and you are racing against adults. And you're doing a tremendous job. And most recently, you're at the Spec MX5, and you ra- you race a Miata. Yep. Okay, so that is um, quite an honor that you are at this event. There's only 12 drivers that were selected, and I originally thought that it was 12 drivers in the country. It is not. It was throughout the world. There were people from other countries that were there. So what a huge honor for you to be in that event and to get that experience at 15 years old. Um, tell us a little bit about what that meant to your racing career.
1: Yeah, Mazda's Shootout, it was an absolute honor to be there. It's a huge opportunity for me um, to help fund my career. And I there's. it's a great opportunity not just... The chance to win, but also for the exposure. I mean, there were some huge names there, huge people there. I met you know lifelong friends from all across the world, and to be one of the twelve in the nation that got to go was a huge honor. Yeah.
0: Now, I I have you know been a a competitor my entire life, right? I I love sports. I love you know competing, and I've met a lot of like you said, really good friends through that. Um, But you know, when the flag goes down, they're not your friend, right? They they're competitors. So how do you keep that balance? You know, at 15 years old, you know, you always you want to have friends. You want people to like you. You know, all, like how do you keep that balance of I'm going to be nice to you off the track, but on the track, it's go time. So bring it on.
1: Yeah, you definitely learn how different people drive, how different people carry themselves on the track. And, you know, I'm pretty much friends with everybody on the grid. I have no reason not to be. And it shows on the track. Um, different people have different personalities, and it shows on the track as well. I mean, on and off track. Uh, you know everybody through and through.
0: Right. So tell me, how do you react when you are racing? When, um, I would, you know, there's that, 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 that old saying, you know, there's bumping and racing. So you're getting bumped, you're getting tapped, you're getting, you know, you're right next to these people going 120 miles per hour. Um, you know, how do you keep your focus uh, when, when you're getting bumped from one side or the other?
1: It's pretty difficult. I learned in karting pretty early on that it's difficult for me to stay 100% focused, especially if I'm not around other people. If I'm in a big pack of cars with everybody around me, it's hard to uh, it's hard to stay focused and it's hard to know what's important and what's not. But it's just kind of a sixth sense that I've gained over time is how do I stay right in the moment? How do I know what's going to be best for the long run? And how do I know what I should and shouldn't do, especially in terms of passing and calculated decisions?
0: That takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of training. Um, you have a a coach that has been very helpful in that training, and he's been working with you for about eight months. Is that correct, Sam Paley? And tell us a little bit about Sam Paley and what he has brought to to your to your game.
1: So Sam's currently driving in Mazda's MX-5 Cup, which is the professional series right above mine. He is twenty one, and he's almost like a big brother to me. Honestly, we uh, we not only bond, you know, at the events, but he's a huge mentor. After every session, he'll break down all my data, all my video, go over everything I did on track, what I did right, what I did wrong, where there's time to gain, where there's positions to be gained, all that. Sam's a huge help, and he's not only developed me you know, with racing, but he's developed me with sponsorships, with how to carry myself at the paddock, and his professional experience is a huge help.
0: And to be able to have a young racer as your coach has got to be helpful. I mean, he's a college student at the University of Indiana. And I, I mean, he is a near peer, if you will. Um, and that's got to be helpful because I know that he helps you a lot, but, but it also will help him as well. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I agree that he's got some skills and I agree what you're saying about your coach, but I think we need to hear that from Coach Paley himself. So oh. let's, uh, we, we did get a chance to catch up with Sam Paley. And so I asked him a little bit about what skills Corbin has in order to be successful and what's going to be the secret to his longevity. And so you can take a listen to this interview. So first of all, uh, you know, I want to thank you for taking the time to be able to talk to us a little bit about Corbin Collins and his success. Um, You know, what is it that you think makes him a special racer for his age? I mean, what are those intangible and skills that he has and possesses that helps him um, be such a, a successful racer for his age?
4: Yeah, of course. So I've been working with Corbin for about eight months now. Um, first of all, very phenomenal kid and a fantastic family. And, you know, he's an anomaly, right? Because he's 15 years old, driving race cars at 130 miles an hour on the track, but can't legally drive on the street. So I think some of those intangibles that he has that allows him to be successful as he competes against 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, even much older kids. Um, he's very smart. He's really driven and he's determined. Um, you know, a lot of times when he makes a mistake or when he knows he can do better, he's very motivated for success. And I think that's relevant in his racing career. Um, he's also a phenomenal trap shooter and in his academics as well. I think some of the classes he's taking in high school, I don't even know if I could take. So he's just very motivated to be the best version of himself each and every day.
0: You know, you are a successful race car driver yourself. You have a lot of accolades in this in this profession, in this um, sport. You know, what do you think will be the secret of, of longevity for Corbin?
4: Yeah, the biggest thing in racing is just always staying determined and staying focused on your goals. Um, racing, it's not just all the on-track stuff. It's the off-track connections, relationships you build. You know, that world is very prevalent as well. So whether, you know, you're sitting at home on a Wednesday day or whether you're at the track on a Saturday, whether you're on the track, um, you just have to stay motivated, right? There's a lot of things in racing that can go wrong and a lot of things that can hurt your confidence, you know, get you down, but you have to overcome that adversity. Um, and you know, like I said, with Corbin, you just have to always strive to be the best version of yourself, um, and work hard every day, you know, just like in life, you have to work hard and if you work hard and you achieve, you set out goals that you want to achieve, you'll, you'll end up being successful.
0: Well, you, you've been working with Corbin for about eight months. Um, and so how's that transition been from being a driver to coaching? Um, you know, you're still doing both. You're doing both right now.
4: Yeah, of course. Um, it's great. You know, I've been driver coaching since 2019. So it's definitely a big part as your development, you know, personally as a race car driver. Um, yeah, it, it, it teaches me a lot about myself. It teaches me, you know, when I see things that Corbin might be doing, I'm like, wow, you know, I might, I kind of do that sometimes. So, you know, I, I take that second and I learn and then, you know, not only am I telling Corbin how to improve, but I also apply it to myself and my own driving as well. So it's really important for personal development to, um, you know, coach other drivers as well.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, thank you, coach. We appreciate it. Appreciate your time as we profiling Corbin Collins tonight. Thank you.
4: Yeah, of course.
0: Well, we appreciate Coach Paley taking the time out of his busy schedule to do that. And, um, you know, I I think he brings a lot to the table to help with the guidance, even though he's been working with you a short time. um, I can definitely see that there's a great um, coach and athlete relationship there.
1: Yeah, like I said, he's almost a big brother to me with the close age gap. And I feel after, you know, every weekend with Sam, I feel better at the end of it. I just feel better. I feel more developed and happier.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We appreciated his time to give us that interview, um, and I I know that you just had a huge new announcement as well, um, and I was uh, hoping that you would uh, tell us a little bit about your new team, and give us that uh, that sneak peek of what's to come with Corbin Collins Racing.
1: Yeah. So TKG Motorsports, who Sam is actually the team manager of, is who we're going to be running with in twenty twenty three or excuse me twenty twenty four with Spec MX five. Um. We were very, very happy to be invited to that team to run with them. They're very professional. It's a huge opportunity to run with them, and uh, we're going to be better for it for sure. That's
0: awesome. That is great. All right, well, we're going to take our final break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to continue to race around the racetrack here and learn all we can about Corbin Collins and his racing career. and. We're so glad that you're joining us tonight, and we're so happy that you, you allowed your parents to also come as well. Um, Corey and Becky Collins, um, this is Jenny Hopkins. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Thank you to Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. This segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know service, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Give Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey a call. They're going to take care of you. 417-326-7671. We also want to thank West Logging for sponsoring this segment. Go to westlogging.com. You can contact Danny West for a free consultation. He is going to treat your land like his own. And we want to thank Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance for also sponsoring this segment. So we have um, Corbin Collins, we have Corey and Becky Collins. His parents are here, and we are talking racing. And it is um, it's fascinating to me, you know, just what you have accomplished. When from a nine year old wanting to race go karts to now being in national events um, as a fifteen year old driver going against adults um, from all over the world, and um, and I think that's incredible. In our last segment, you announced a new team. Um, if people want information about Corbin Collins Racing, where could they go? Can you give us that information? Yeah,
1: so Corbin Collins Racing, Facebook and Instagram, number one place to go for all our updates, and we'll be rolling out the schedule of the events we're going to in 2024 very soon.
0: That is exciting. Do you have um, a, a, a person that runs your marketing and branding
1: you know, my mom is the <laughs> huge
2: with all that.
0: <laughs> yes. Anybody out there listening that knows Becky Collins knows she is the point person um, for, for all kinds of marketing and branding. She does a tremendous job. Um, so great shout-out to her. So let, let's talk a little bit um, on that line about the roles of, you know, your parents and, and and talking a little bit about, you know, resources and support. So when you first start out, um, you know, I, I would imagine that your parents had to write the checks, right? So they're supporting your resources, but then the more success you have and the deeper you get into it, you start to get sponsorship and balances. So talk a little bit about um, that challenge of making sure that um, your passion and your, your dream is being funded as well.
1: So the biggest thing about Spec-MX5 that's unfortunate for sponsorship is the um, lack of publicity. There's no serious TV coverage, which is unfortunate. It makes sponsorship difficult um, in the traditional sense of throwing a sticker on the car for advertising. Um, but there are unique ways to bring value to sponsors and for them to bring value to you and um, Of course, it always comes in handy to reach out to everybody you can and see you know what unique ways you can help somebody out yeah, I
0: think that makes a big difference and and I know that um you know that that Becky and Corey, you all have been very supportive of his dream, um, but that it that's um you know your family vacations are to two races um you're traveling and you're on the road and you know your weekends and you're you're taking a lot of trips. Um, how has that been, I, I would think, you know, a positive for your family cause you're getting to spend so much time together, but how has that been as a family to be able to be involved in Corbin's career? Well,
3: it's been great. It is our family time and it's a decision that you, you know, you make that a lot of people are going to the lake every weekend or going to the beach and we go racing. Um, I just looked at my odometer <laughs> on the truck that I picked up last fall and I think we put just shy of. 40,000 on it this season um we bring a lot of people do arrive and drive but we bring his car to the races and we prep it on the weekends that we're not racing we do all of that stuff uh together so we spend a lot of time uh in the truck Corbin's in school so it's important that he miss as little of that as possible so there are events that are long ways away that Becky and Corbin will fly into. And I will have my own windshield time. But uh, I'll get there and then they show up. We spend the weekends together. We have meals. We talk. We spend time. And seems like we're closer at the track than we are about anywhere else. Uh, so it's a really good family experience.
0: That is wonderful. Anything to add to that, Vicki?
2: Yeah, and I just think it's important to give Corbin a big kudos, too, because for a kid his age to juggle this, um, not all the kids, but several, several kids that we race with, um, they choose to homeschool. Because it's you know, and we understand that we understand that's their path, and and you know, we understand why they would do that, but we're not. And so, I just always want to give him a big shout out to his you know, his grades are phenomenal. He's a straight A student. He's skipped grades in in algebra and spanish and and he juggles all of that really well and that that's got to be incredibly tough for a kid his age and i'm i'm always in awe that, that he does that i mean every once in a while we'll leave on the weekends say we'll leave on a thursday night after school and then we'll drive 10 hours and i'll say did you okay you talked to all your teachers everything's good to go did you check blackboard and then i always i got it i got it i got it and he he always knock on wood he always <laughs> has it yeah but I, I just i'm always proud of how well he can juggle because it's a big responsibility to race, and it's a big responsibility to to keep up with schoolwork, and he does both really well.
0: So where do you get that motivation? I mean, do you know that that's t- Like if your grades were slipping and you were not meeting your responsibilities, um, it probably you wouldn't be going to the races. That's right. So tell tell a little bit about where you get that, that drive. Sorry, that was the only word that came up at that But where do you get that motivation um, to, to make sure you're managing your time and handling your responsibilities and getting to – experience your passion
1: i've always loved racing and i've always loved school i've always i am very blessed to be pretty naturally gifted when it comes to school and i've always enjoyed it i always you know i haven't enjoyed my work um but i've gotten through it with no problems and i've always tried to stay on top of everything i stay in communication with my teachers they're all extremely understanding extremely supportive and that makes a huge difference in everything
0: it does make a, a difference, but you know what makes a huge difference? Being in education, um, I can appreciate students that communicate and communicate well, and, and I think that's probably what one of your biggest secrets. Um, and, and you go to Greenwood Laboratory School, which is not an easy academic school, so you have to be on top of things, and um, and to be involved with so many different areas, managing your time is huge. So very proud of you, and I agree, definitely deserves some some kudos on that.
1: Much appreciated. <laughs>
0: Okay, so let's talk strategy, shall we? Let's uh let's get in let's get on the track. Let's talk about your your training sessions. Where do you practice? A lot of your races are all over the country and they're not they're not close by. Um so tell me, you know, how do you practice um and train on a on a daily basis?
1: So of course, the ideal way to practice would to go to the track itself, uh get a test weekend and try everything ideally with the weather you'd be racing in, but that's really hard to do and that's really expensive to do. So I spend a lot of my practice time in my basement on my racing simulator, um, which is extremely accurate, I feel. I have a widescreen monitor, um, Fanatec pedals, and a steering wheel, and it works out really great. Um, for I get on iRacing, and I test all the tracks before I go to them, and it's huge for uh, showing up at the track ready to race.
0: Technology, right? Can you believe that? I mean, that that's incredible to be able to use a simulator um, that on the the track does it also have different weather conditions that you can practice in?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a little limited. Technology isn't perfect, but it's it gets better with every update every year, a little bit better until it's. I think it's going to be perfect someday.
0: All right, so let's let's go to um, you know the beginning of the race. Right, you're you're in line. Um, You're packed in there. It looks like sardines. I mean, it seems like all those cars are just inches from each other. And you're getting ready to race, um, and they're doing the countdown. What is going through your head right there? How are you feeling right before it's go time and you're getting ready to leave skid marks and take off?
1: One of my biggest things is always trying to keep myself calm. I perform 10 times better uh, when I'm calm, when I feel comfortable, and I don't feel like there's anything on the line, which I know there always is but if I don't feel like there is I always perform better and I have the strategy right off the start right off that green flag in mind of course sitting in line waiting for it
0: yeah that is uh, that's exciting so when you take off now you're in the race tell me about position I know that that is something that that's one of the most important strategies is trying to get the right position tell me what uh, what your strategy is to try to put yourself in the right spot
1: so the way qualifying works for racing which is how you determine how you start is people who qualify in odd positions will start on the inside and even positions on the outside and the inside is way more optimal for passing in a road course structure so I'm always of course trying to qualify first um but if I am not first I'd like to be an odd number to stay on that inside line and to turn one and to position position myself right on the person in front of me's bumper and to try and run away from that guy behind me
0: yeah it's kind of a rush when you pass someone. I mean, I did the turkey trot last week, and I passed a handful of people. <laughs> a little different level, yeah. but you know, it is a rush when you do pass somebody. Um, and then, how do you keep them from leapfrogging and passing you back? How do you how do you keep and hold your position?
1: Of course, you know the classic idea is to outdrive them, drive faster. But there is 100% defensive driving where you make your bumper as big as you possibly can and try and keep them behind you. And it's all strategy, and it's all learned through racecraft throughout years. I mean, it takes years and years of on-track experience to get really good at uh, the art of racecraft.
0: And there's got to be some instincts too, and some reaction training that you do, um, because you can't predict everything that's going to happen in a race. You you can predict different, you know, conditions. You can predict different possibilities and strategy. But you know, how do you work on those reactions um, and those instantaneous things that you've got to do?
1: I think reaction time is really important. I mean, you have to snap that wheel in tenths of a second, but I think a lot more than reaction time is reaction-based decision-making. I mean, you have half a second to decide whether to go left or right when you see a car sitting the wrong way on the track. So I think reaction-based decision-making is really something natural, at least for me. I haven't really gotten better at it over time because it's not something you actively think about. It's just something your body does and something uh, that either really benefits you or really hurts you in racing.
0: And you got to develop those instincts, and that takes a lot of experience, right? Um, so you have, you have a crew that's in your ear as well um, that can talk to you. Um, and, and that tell me a little bit about that, about how your coach helps you. I know that, um, that your mom and dad are also on there, and they're able to talk to you about different conditions on the track and what's coming ahead. Um, how does that assist you when you're racing?
1: So we've got in-car radio. And my mom, dad, and my coach, Sam, will be on the radio with me all spotting from different points around the track, which is a huge help. The second they see something important or noticeable on the track, they'll immediately radio in, immediately tell me. And it helps keep me really in tune with how I need to drive and how I need to react to what's happening on the track.
0: And these aren't regular tracks like everybody's thinking. You know, you think NASCAR and you think, okay, they're going in circles or really technically ovals, but what is it, um, you know, about the, the tracks that are so unique? Because, I mean, they they are turning right, turning left. I mean, it's zigzags. I mean, there's different elevations. Tell us about some of the tracks.
1: You know, my favorite track in the U.S. right now is definitely Ozarks International, and there's a ton of blind corners, and more important than that, there's a ton of elevation on Ozarks International. It's about four miles and 19 turns, and it's an absolute blast to not only drive on, but also to race on.
0: Yeah, that that makes a big difference. All right, so... You know, Corey and Becky, you're in his ear, right? And, and Becky, I want to start with you because, and, and we talked a little bit about this. There is a button that you have to push in order to talk to him, Correct. which is probably good because, you know, <laughs> as a mom, you'd yeah. be like, Oh my goodness, what is happening? And that would not keep him calm. But tell me a little bit about when you are spotting, you've got to, got to get into your own mode too. Like you are part of his pit crew. You're helping him. Um, you got to get out of mom mode sure. and be in, in, in more of a business sure. mode. So
2: how do you do that? So, Typically, when he's on the out lap, which is the slow lap before they actually go green flag, um, the pace cars in front of him, I, I have a lot of a bundle of nerves that I just try to work through. And that's, that's the time when I just try to try to get into spotter mode. I usually say some prayers and um, just let them know, hey, I'm at turn seven. I'll be spotting from turn seven. And, um, and I think the way that I deal with the, the nervous mom energy is to just I try really hard to focus it on I trust him. I trust his driving. I know that he knows what to do. Um, I know that he's, Corey's made all the all the moves to go in all the directions you possibly can to make sure he's as safe, his car is as safe as he possibly can. He's got the safest equipment. Um, he's done every single time that, that we get into a new car, he, he goes through um, exercises called emergency exits and we time him and we make sure he can do usually exit out of the car in about, we hope about five or six seconds. Mm-hmm. I think what they want is you to be able to get out in ten or twelve. But he can get it. He can get out quicker. Whether it's because he's little and nimble, I don't know. But he's. Re- <laughs> but we always practice that every time he's in a new car. And so those are things I tell myself to calm myself down. And I just try to get into spotter mode and and make sure that I'm don't get emotional and I don't yell and I right. just say, "There's a car in turn seven. <laughs> yeah. It's spun. It spun at the blind corner. Be aware. Right. You know, you don't ever want to go." Ah! On the radio, oh, because that's the not
0: car. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that makes a big difference. What about you, Corey? How do you flip that switch, so to speak, out of dad mode into pit crew mode? I don't know
4: if I do.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to be calm. I'm not calm by nature. Um, I am a very nervous person, I think, at the track, but I try to keep that within myself. The um, safety issues, you know, that's, I mean, really, I think the dad part of it is I would let safety fears, you know, crawl into your head. And the fact is we're going extremely fast and extremely close conditions and lots of opportunity for things to be, you know, not as ideal as you would like. So uh, it's just not something I think about. and we've had experiences where things didn't go as we had hoped and every he Corbin has always been fine and we do build safe cars and we've shown that they are safe, but, um, yeah, you get out there, you don't think about those issues. You think about, let's try to win this race. Let's put it on the pole. Let's put it on the podium and this is his goal and this is what he's trying to accomplish. And so I have to put aside any thoughts or emotions that hinder that goal and just focus on trying to get him to his goal.
0: And you, you've got to have a lot of trust to your pit crew. You've got to have a lot of trust um, that they that they are focused and that they're helping you. And and um, it's kind of unconditional trust, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean they're they've always been there. They've never made a slip up. You know, knock on wood. I hope I really hope <laughs> they don't. That would not be good. Um, but they've always been there, and it really puts me at ease when I know my parents are on the mic. They help me a lot. I mean, not only to tell me what's happening on the track, but to calm me down and get inside my head and uh, relax me, which is something I struggle to do on my own.
0: Yeah, well, staying focused. Um, there, well, there, there are professional racers that I can guarantee that have been racing, you know, N- NASCAR for however many years that still have trouble focusing. I think that's something that's going to come with a lot of the experience. But it's so impressive how focused you are. Um, uh, that to me is incredible. And if you want to see some of the past races and some of the video, where can people go to watch, um, Corbin and, and see some of his, um, his videos.
1: So all of our races are live streamed on YouTube on the Corbin Collins racing YouTube channel. And those can all be watched afterwards with the Sentinel broadcasting system, which we absolutely love.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it appears when I'm watching you race and watching you go around the track that you are just cool as a cucumber. You know, <laughs> now I'm not in the car with you, but, um, I think that's something that's kind of, it's kind of cool. I mean, you're smooth. There's not a lot of jerky motions. I mean, you're smooth. And, and to me, that's means that means you're keeping a level head, which is impressive. Uh, do you do any kind of, um, mental prep before races to get yourself in that mindset?
1: Yeah. I've had mental coaches throughout the past to help me, you know, perform exercises to really get me in that mindset that's going to let me win. And before every race, you know, I visualize the track. I visualize what I need to do on lap one. And I visualize in my head, you know, myself winning because it really reassures me and it really helps me.
0: Yeah. Well, at, as, a, as a sports counselor, I my absolute favorite technique I ever share with athletes is visualization. So that makes my heart <laughs> sore that you use that because it is um, it is tried and true and a great technique. So you are wise beyond your years for sure in the mental prep. Using that, so tell me about um, when you're racing. Have you ever had like your breath taken from you? Like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Because um, you know, there's when people cut me off in traffic. I, you know, it takes my breath away. So, how, have you ever had those moments?
1: You know, there's always you know near rack experiences, whether it's on my own or around cars, and it's never comfortable. But you know, honestly, I do find every experience is you know less exhilarating and uh, less frightening is the last, and it's I'm almost getting desensitized, and it's pretty nice because I'm staying cooler and cooler in the car.
0: So you're, you're racing, you're doing all of these things, you're focused, you're in the moment, taking it lap by lap. Tell me what it is when you cross that finish line, how do you feel? Um, I know obviously it might depend on your position, but at the same time, you know, finishing that race and doing the best that you, you know, putting it all out there, how, how does that feel when you cross and you see that checkered flag?
1: The checkered flag is either really relieving or really upsetting. Cause I either uh, did what I needed to or didn't in that race. So it's always a breath of fresh air after the race though. I can really drop my shoulders, release, breathe, which I should have been doing during the race, <laughs> but I find myself not. And um after the race, you know, it's always to the pits, always to the scales, and I really have to sit and think about what just happened. Yeah.
0: That sounds good. All right. Um well, I have, I have a little game that I like to play on this show. It's called Fast Five, which is very fitting
1: when we're talking <laughs> very, racing. Very.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm going to ask you five quick questions uh, to see if you, you could answer them. First thing that comes to mind, they're easy, I promise. <laughs> um, so we, um, the first one you've already told us, but we'll go ahead and review. What's your favorite racetrack?
1: Definitely was Arts International.
0: Favorite racing sports movie?
1: Oh, Talladega nice 100%. <laughs> there
0: you go. All right. If you could race any track in the world, which one would it be?
1: Definitely Spa. Definitely Spa. That is The fantastic. European track, very fancy, very fun.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. All right. So this, this is a question. I'm, I, I have a couple of ideas of what you might say, but I could be way off. If you could have lunch with any current pro racer, who would it be?
1: Oh, definitely Max Verstappen, Formula One driver, idol of mine. Absolutely love him.
0: That is awesome. Um, What is it that you like about him so much?
1: I like I like how much he wins. You know, I got to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That does help. It does help. I love his mindset and I love how he drives.
0: All right, and then we've got to know what is your favorite pre-race meal.
1: I'm a big salmon guy. I absolutely love salmon. I'm notorious in the paddock for eating salmon. And I had a nickname in the 2023 season called Mr. Salmon.
0: So. <laughs> That's good. Very good. Well, Corbin, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, Corbin Collins Racing, you can check him out on um, the socials one more time.
1: So Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.
0: Very good. Uh, good luck to you. Um, best I really of appreciate luck appreciate you. I know that you're going to do well, and I appreciate you coming in and sharing your perspective and your wisdom.
1: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. I absolutely enjoyed it.
0: And Corey, um, and Becky, my boy, take some deep breaths. <laughs> I love what you're doing. I love the opportunity that you're giving him. All of these wonderful lessons that are are helping him. Uh, thank you for being such great parents and and guiding him through this this journey
2: that he's on. Thanks, Jenny, and thanks for having us. We're humbled and so appreciative that you had us on here.
3: Yeah, thank you for your time. Appreciate it, and I think you you nailed his life lessons. And no matter what comes of the racing. Uh, Corbin developing into a better person for it and understanding wins and losses and all the things that are going to be important in life.
0: That's fantastic. All right, well, I appreciate you all being here. Um, Don't speed when you go home. Well, you won't because you don't have a driver's (laughs) license. I do not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Best of luck to you all. Um, we're going to move into our post-game talk, which is sponsored by Story Construction. Go to story, S-T-O-R-E-E dot for more information. Next week, we're going to talk about some high school basketball events coming up, the Norm Stewart Classic in Columbia and the Bill Rowe Queen City Showcase, which is tipping off here in Springfield. We'll have Denny Hunt and Brad Hayes here to talk about that. So moving into our post-game talk. All right, racing takes an enormous amount of preparation, strategy, physical training, and mental training to be successful. Each lap has its meaning, and it matters. Just like possessions in games of of football and basketball and volleyball, what makes my guest special, though, is the fact that he is successful at such a young age and has tapped into all of this experience to continue elevating his career. So your challenge for the week is to take things one lap at a time. We often get overwhelmed in our lives, and and we have this going on, and we have that going on. We need to step back sometimes and take a breath and go lap by lap, possession by possession, and take care of business as it comes. But not worrying about the last lap, but being focused on the current lap. In other words, play where your feet are. Because that's what champions do. And I'm going to remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.